Howdy, howdy. Welcome to the Run of the Mills podcast, and we are in episode 102, and we're in Romans chapter 9. And we're going to be talking about a little section here that is is challenging, and a lot of this stuff I think is really uh, one of those things. If you if you start to take a little time to study into it, you're going to discover there's certain viewpoints uh, on things, and and you're going to say, okay, well I see there's different camps that hold these different positions, and and um, you know sometimes to me that's that can be distracting, and um, and we can. I think you can even end up missing the point and you can miss the point that the author is making because you get hung up on some of the, um, maybe say the, uh, the secondary questions like, well, if that's true, then what about, you know, that kind of stuff. And in this, in this, again, Paul is anticipating, um, the questions that are going to come up. In fact, when we get to, um, verse 19, um, he's, he's going to anticipate the actual question that I've heard a lot of people ask. So we're not going to go all the way back to the beginning of Romans chapter nine. We, we did the first 13 chapters last time, but I, I ended on this on a couple of verses. I didn't even comment on, but there's some very challenging verses. And so it says this, it, it was talking about Abraham's, um, Abraham's, uh, his, his seed, his children, um, and that there are those that are children of the flesh and not children of God, uh, but the children of the promise um, are counted as the seed of Abraham. Just kind of explaining some things there. Anyway, um, but at the end, he has these line that is just just kind of a fascinating little statement that he pulls. Um, and it comes from Genesis 25, 23. But he says this in verse 12. He says, for it was said to her. The older shall serve the younger. This is talking about uh, Jacob and Esau. And uh, and so that's um, a quotation from Genesis. You get this quotation from Malachi following this of when God spoke to uh, Rebekah about her children. The older shall serve the younger. And then it was written in Malachi, it says, uh, he says in verse 13, As it is written, Jacob, of I, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. And this is one of those really um, challenging verses because a lot of times people just like I did yesterday, just end with it because it's kind of appears to be at the end of a a portion, but it's not a really good place to end because he's, he's, um, he's going to reply to that statement because I think the the statement of course leads to all kinds of questions. Like, wait a minute, I thought God loved everybody. If God loved everybody, how could he, how could he hate Jacob or hate Esau? And, um, you know, and you probably heard if you've been around church, you've probably heard those pastors say things like, the question isn't how could God love Jacob and hate Esau? The question is, how could he love Jacob? You know, Jacob was a jerk, you know, stuff like that. Uh, but that's not really the point that he's making here. You remember, he, he's talking uh, about something a little different. And, and it's this this question of election. And again, this is something we get into Calvinism and Arminianism and this big argument about predestination free choice and all that kind of stuff. But I think that the the thing we want to pay attention to is what's the point that, that Paul is making. If you want to get into the, all the nitty gritty details of words, words and terms, well, knock yourself out. But I just want to, I just want to focus kind of on what he says here. So check this out. He says, the older shall serve the younger. And as it is written, Jacob, I have loved, but Esau, I have hated. And so then Paul's anticipating again that they're going to ask a question. So he puts the question and he says, what shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? So the, the point is like, is God being, is this wrong? What God has done? 
is that wrong? Which I think is a legitimate question because a lot of people will say that. Um, there are common, one of the common um, statements about God is that if the Bible is true, God's a monster. Um, and, that, and there's major problems with that statement because they have to ignore uh, large portions of scripture. A more accurate statement would be, if man is good, then God is a monster. Because if man is good and God subjects man to judgment, uh, if man is good, then God is no longer just and God is a monster. Um, and so if man is wicked and evil beyond his own understanding, well, then God's actions of judgment and correction upon mankind are not acts of a monster upon innocence, but it's just acts upon a deserving people and also even graceful acts by a benevolent God. So um, anyway, he makes this interesting point. He says, or he asks this question, what shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness, unrighteousness with God? And he goes, certainly not. For he says to Moses, for this is what God said to Moses, I will have mercy on whomever I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whomever I have compassion. And so God says, if I want to have mercy on some someone, I will have mercy on them. If I if, if he doesn't want to show mercy to someone, he doesn't he's not obligated to. If he's obligated to, it's not mercy. Mercy is withholding what someone deserves. If God says, I'm not going to withhold what you deserve. You deserve judgment. I'm not withholding that. That's a righteous God. That's not unrighteousness because he didn't show mercy to someone and he showed mercy to somebody else. Um, and so this is kind of Paul's point that God has said, I will show mercy on whom I, I show mercy and I will have compassion on whomever I have compassion. Because if if they're owed it, then God is a debtor to them, and God is a debtor to no man. And again, it's it, it all comes back to this assumption that men are good, that men are inherently good, and that assumption is faulty. We know because, hey, we've read the book of Romans, and we know the first three chapters that point out quite clearly that uh, there's no one good. No, not even one. So let's keep reading here. He says, um, therefore, he has mercy on whom he wills. Oh, I skipped a verse. <gasps> back up, Mike, back up. I skipped a few verses. Um, so let me let me reverse 15 again. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whomever I will have compassion. So then, it is not of him who wills, nor of him who runs, but of God who shows mercy. So again, like I was saying, God, it's God's, uh, it's up to him. It's uh, his prerogative. If he wants to show mercy or if he wants to show compassion, it's up to him. Verse 17, for the scripture says to the Pharaoh, for this very purpose, I have raised you up that I may show my power in you that my name may be declared in all the earth. Therefore, he has mercy on whom he wills and on whom he wills, he hardens. Because remember, it says God hardened the heart of Pharaoh. And, and so you will say to me then, why does he find fault? For who has resisted his will? And this is really the kind of the, the trick is when people say, well, if God decides who to show mercy to, if God decides to harden people, then how can he be, you know, how can he find fault in us? How can he find fault in me? It sounds like he's making all the choices and I'm just a little robot who has no, no say in the matter. And Paul's response is interesting. And let's, well, let's read it because this is what it says. He says, but indeed, O oh man, who are you to reply against God? 
Will the thing formed say to him who formed it, Why have you made me like this? Does not the potter have power over the clay, for the same lump to make one vessel for honor and another for dishonor? Now, he says, What if God, wanting to show his wrath and to make his power known, and when you see wrath there, remember, it's not just like God is um, angry and he just can't control himself. It's more a picture of judgment. If God wanting um, to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath prepared for destruction, and that he might make known to the riches, or rather, he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy which he had prepared beforehand for glory, even us whom he called not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. Um, and he goes, he's going to go on and say some more, but you know, it's, it's a really interesting point because he's saying, look, you don't get it. And so you say, well, I don't, I, that, it seems like this, it seems like um, God is unrighteous. And so, but he's saying, who are, who are you to, who, the thing who's formed, who, how will the thing that's formed, Say to the one who formed it, why have you made me like this? And so one of the, one of the great arguments that he's making here is, like, God is God. God can do things the way he wants to do things. He doesn't need our approval. If you don't like that it says God hard, hardened Pharaoh's heart, and you think, well, that's not, that's bad. Well, you're casting judgment upon God, and you're reading the Bible backwards, rather than saying, this is who God has revealed himself to be, just and holy and good. Okay, well, then him doing that was just holy and good. And you might say, well, it doesn't seem like it. Well, it doesn't matter if it seems like it. It's who God is in God's nature. The problem is, is that we don't see God for for his, um, for who he is. We don't see his holiness, his justice, and his truth. And in, I go back to holiness. We don't see his that purity in him. Um, and we tend to look at things in light of man's limited vision and our understanding of what is good and what is evil and what's right and what's wrong. And we end up holding God to a standard that is not his standard. We start holding him to this strange, lowly human standard where we're judging him and condemning him for how he has treated different men in history. And we say, oh, how could a loving God treat this man this way? And we forget, well, um, he's a holy and righteous God, and that is a wicked and evil man. Um, why am I defending the wicked, evil man against the holy and righteous God? That makes no sense. Um, but it it does from our limited human mindset. And so keep that in mind. Don't um, don't work backwards. Don't start saying, well, I don't understand why this would happen or this would happen. Um, start in the other spot. Start and saying, okay, well, I do know this. I know that God is righteous. And I know that God is just. And I know that God is holy. And I know that God is good. And I know that God is unchanging. I know that God is omnipotent. I know he's omnipresent. I know he's um, He's omniscient. You know, I know these things. And so I have to read this in light of who I know he is rather than trying to uh, cast judgment on him based on what I think is right and wrong. Because uh, tell you what, you know, who knows, knows what's right and wrong? It's the... Uh, the creator of all things. So anyway, we'll, we'll hit some more stuff on this next time. God bless you. I hope that helps you out today. Hope you're not more confused than you were to start. But if you were, just remember who your God is. God bless you.